0: Turn with me in your Bibles to page, or to page, wow. It's going to be that kind of sermon, get ready. Psalms 25, Psalm 25, and if you're wondering what page it's on in my Bible, it's on page 554, so I don't, I mean, <laughs> 624 on yours, feel like we're in an auction, yep, yep. Alright, um, Thomas Watson once said, Saving faith lives in a broken heart. He cries out with tears, Lord, I believe. True faith is always in a heart that's bruised for sin. They therefore, whose hearts have never been touched for sin, have no real genuine faith. So saving faith always grows in a heart humbled for sin, and a weeping eye and a tearful conscience any christian person who says they don't have struggles in this life are not being truthful amen any person who claims to follow the lord jesus christ in this life who says oh i don't struggle my life is just wonderful everything there's no problems everything's great and grand and wonderful is not being truthful every one of us have moments where we struggle. Every every one of us have moments where we doubt, where we have anxiety, where we have moments of just utter um, depression. Today I want us to look at Psalm 25. David was a man who knew what it was like to struggle, amen? David was a man who knew what it was like to have trials and temptations and problems in this life. David grappled with the heavy things of life. He prays several in this text. We're going to look at this. And he prays these rapid type prayers in the text that I personally can relate to. And so I want us to look at Psalm 25. We're going to start in verse 4 of Psalm 25 of these prayers that he prays. And we're going to unpack this text. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. The language of this of these verses, the language of this text, uh, has a has a directive, has a desire for direction in his life. Anybody in the room just looking for direction, looking for purpose? I think most people in a in, in the world. Most people are wanting to have purpose. They want to know what their reason for being here is. The the big questions of this life are, why am I here and why does it matter? And and so many people are are looking for purpose and direction in their life. And if Christ is not the center, if Christ is not at the helm of what you do, I can promise you it's not going to end well. You're not going to have clarity. You're going to have foggy, just misconceptions of what's gonna happen in your life. And this it's a problem. So many people wanna get wanna get in and get in the right the right clicks. If I could just get in the right group, if I could just get in that right job, if I could just get that raise, if I could just get to move here, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, then my life will be purpose-filled, and I'll feel accomplished. If I could just get this goal accomplished, then I could do this. But I can promise you this. If Christ is not the Savior of your heart, you're wasting your time on anything else that's coming your way. It's Mark chapter 8 verse 36 comes to mind. What does it profit a man to gain the world but forfeit his soul? There's so many people that are racing to find purpose. If I could just get my bank account big enough. If I could just get this and they forfeit their souls for a little bit of gold or silver. If you and I are not square, smack dab square in the middle of God's truth, it's going to cause your life to have chaos. I always hear this, say, this statement, well, My truth is this, or my truth, you guys heard that? Well, my truth is this. If you're not square in the middle of God's truth, your truth really doesn't matter. So many in culture, so many people in society say things like, well, that's your truth, but my truth tells me that I could be doing this, or I should be going here. This is what my truth is. I'm going to stick with the Word of God, amen? And the truth of what God's Word is. Like I said a couple weeks ago, if you are going a direction, if you're partaking in a particular um, activity, if you're doing something specific and it rubs against The grain of the scriptures. It is not the scriptures or God that needs to change direction. It is you who need to change direction by repenting of your sins and trusting the word of God. Not trying to manipulate it so you can do what you want. Pray the prayer that David prays here. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. This is, the, this is the prayer that we should be asking God every single day when we wake up. The, Lord, make me know your ways. What do you want for me to do today? Not what, what if, I know every one of us like to make goals and have plans for the day, but what does God have for you to do? What does the Lord Jesus Christ want you and I to do today? And, and furthermore... Lord, I want to be right in the middle of knowing your truth, God, because you've been the God that saved me. You're the God that redeemed me. You're the God that reconciled me back to yourself, God. Please put me on your path. What do you want me to do? Amen? That's the idea in the text here. He prays his prayer. This is the king, David. David's asking, Lord, make me to know your ways, not my. Listen, I've got listen. David did his own plans. He had his own ways. And did it get him in trouble almost every time? When David had any kind of plan on his own, it ended up messing things up, right? Our plans can mess our lives up. But if we're in the middle of God's plan for our life, I can promise you it will not be wrong. Verse 6. Let's keep going. Remember your mercy, O Lord. And your steadfast love, for they are, or they have been from old. Listen, God's mercy is not something that's brand spanking new. In in terms of, hey, it just showed up, it's here. Now, are His mercies new every morning to us? Yes. They're they're new in, in in a refreshing way, but they're not new as in, oh, I've never seen that before. God's mercy is constant with those who are His children. God's mercy is, is not something that just showed up yesterday. God's mercy has been available for His people since the fall. It's been around from the beginning. When Adam and Eve disobey God, God's mercy shows up. Rather than God's justice show up and destroy Adam and Eve, God comes in and He is merciful and He is grace-filled towards Adam and Eve and He reconciles them and cleanses them and forgives them. He doesn't squash them. He had now, did he have every right to squash them? Absolutely. Just like you and I. He has every single right to come in here and just destroy every one of us in here because Romans chapter 3, all have fallen short and sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Period. Every single one of us. But David says, Father, remember your mercy, O Lord and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. They've been in my life since the beginning. They've been here since the beginning. This verse is a reminder to us of God's mercy for his, and His graciousness towards us for those who have placed their trust in His finished work. Lamentations chapter three verses twenty-two and twenty-three says, "The steadfast love of the Lord never." Now listen, this is good. Like you should, like I know that. Listen, there's a note section in your bulletin. This is where you should take your pen out. You should just make some notes of these things. That Lamentations chapter three. That's not one we go to often. Lamentations is not a one you jump into. You know, hey, let's jump into Lamentations. But man, Lamentations chapter three verses twenty-two through twenty-three has a rich reminder for us this morning the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness who's the one who's faithful God God is the one who's faithful. When you and I are not faithful, God is faithful. Amen? Anybody thankful for that this morning? Even when you're not thankful, even when you're not faithful, God is. And His mercy never ceases. It never comes to an end. This should cause us to be encouraged to know that God's love for His children is inexhaustible. Now, That does not mean that we go out and just sin carte blanche. We don't just say, well, God's mercy is never ending. Let's go rob a bank. Like, that's not, let's go get wasted. Let's go, like, that's not the idea here. That's not it at all. This is a reminder of the goodness of God. This should be a reminder uh, to us that God loves us. And because of that, we should want to follow Him. Right, it's like that uh, illustration um, down in Louisiana. There was a father and a son, and that this father and son were going to go out and, and the father had pulled the, ba- the boat up to the shoreline. He said, "Listen, son, I need you just to wait right here on the shoreline. I'm going to go out and get, grab some of this these, these fishing do- or these fishing baskets over here that are in the water." Wait till I get back. Don't get in the water because there's alligators and these alligators will hurt you. Don't go out there. He goes out in the boat and he's, Working these fishing buckets up, and he's pulling them up out of the water to get the fish and the crawdads that are out of there. They're gonna have a they're gonna have a fish fry. And they're gonna get all this stuff. And he looks back at the shore, and his son's in the water. His son's disobeyed. And he's jumped in the water all of a sudden. Here comes one of the alligators. The alligator comes up and rolls on his son, knocks his son down, gets him into the water, and the, and the dad runs back and he just attacks this and saves his son from the alligator. Attacks the alligator, gets rid of the alligator pushes him off, saves his son. His son wakes up on the shoreline and he's bruised and beat up and his dad's fixing his his scrapes and cleaning him up. He said, son, I told you not to get in the water. Those things are going to kill you. Don't do that again. Dad, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I'm so so, sorry. Father, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry about that. I I won't do that again. That's, That's bad. I won't do that again. All right, I'll be just wait right here, I'll be right back. I'm coming back. Just wait right here. just listen to me, okay? It's, it's for your good that I'm doing this. I don't want you to get hurt. And then all of a sudden, Dad goes out to go get back to get the fish and all of a sudden he looks back again and who's in the stinking water? He's in the water again. This is the idea we don't we don't go and jump in the water constantly just because we can we obey god says don't do this it's for your good it's not because he's trying oh he's just trying what did satan say at the beginning god is trying to keep something from you he wants you to not have this certain power he wants you not to know good from evil you know what he's he's keeping things away from you he's he's keeping you back he's holding you back the same kind of ideas today God, that old musty, just nasty old curmudgeon book, that old nasty Bible, it's holding you back. That God, He's holding you back from what you could become. <laughs> Listen, you're either a slave to sin and self or you're a slave to Christ and righteousness. There's no other option. And when you're a slave to, to sin and self, it will destroy you. When you're a slave to Christ, when you're a bond servant or a slave to Christ Jesus, there is freedom there. There is redemption. There is, there is forgiveness. So much better. We don't, we don't sin carte blanche just because the Lord Jesus Christ's mercy is steadfast and never ends. We don't abuse God's grace. We live in it, but we do not abuse it. We're not to abuse it. We, we just can't do that. Oh. God's love is inexhaustible for His children. Just because it is, doesn't mean we should test Him on it. Amen? Just because His love is inexhaustible does not mean we should test Him. Playing with sin is exactly like that young boy jumping in the alligator-infested waters. Stop playing with sin because it will kill you. Verse 7. David continues... Remember not my sin from my youth or my transgressions. Anybody get, can I get an amen on that one from anybody in the room? <laughs> anybody in the room had some sins from your youth? Well, I was younger last week, Pastor. That's right. <laughs> remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O oh Lord. Let me ask you. Anybody in the room ever done something stupid, wicked, or foolish when they were younger? Listen. I I, I didn't get near as many whippings as I deserved when I was a kid. Anybody else? I, I deserved a whole lot more. I got a lot. I, listen. I got a whole lot more mercy from my dad than I did get. Spankings. I deserved a whole lot more. Anybody else in the room deserve a whole lot more? Okay, just just Bert, just you and I. Everybody else in the room, they're they're all. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna preach to you because you're you and I are connected here, brother. Everybody else, Oh, no, you're good. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, David's asking for God not to remember his sins. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, God. According to your and for what reason? For what reason? Why is David asking this? Because he, is it because he's deserving of it? Because he's a special VIP access guy? He's got a sin pass? Listen, Lord, here's my sin pass. Here's my sin pass. No! Rather, it's something much more divine. David writes, remember me. Not my sins, Lord. Remember me, not because I deserve it, but for your sake and your goodness, O Lord. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon me, forgive me, cleanse me. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. Remember who I am, Father. I've been redeemed and bought by your blood for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. That's that's the idea here. Not because he deserves it. David, listen, David, if you read Psalms 51, he knows what he deserves. He knows he deserves justice, but he is asking for God to give him mercy. Anybody else in the room, this is what the prayer of repentance looks like. God, I know what I deserve. I know I deserve your wrath. I know I deserve your judgment. But oh God, remember not my sins. Remember not... Please, God, forgive me for the foolishness that I perpetrated on humanity. For your sake, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. And then later in verse 11, he says something very similar. He says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. So he's owning, David's owning, listen, what I've done is horrible, My sin is great, not great like awesome, it's great like it's big. I've done a lot of horrible things, anybody else in the room? Okay, David's not asking for his sins to be forgiven because he's been such an amazing servant-hearted guy, he says, for your name's sake, pardon me forgive me, remember not the sins of my youth because of your goodness. The focus is on Christ, not on David. The focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thomas Brooks, the Puritan pastor wrote, till men have faith in Christ, their best services are but glorious sins. You and I don't deserve to have our sins pardoned. It's only because of the goodness and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that that we even get in. I'll, I was just listening. I shared this on my Instagram yesterday, or actually last night. Alistair Begg, great Scottish preacher, love the guy. Um, he's got such an incredible accent. I, I don't even want to try to give it justice. I don't I, or imitate it because I wouldn't do it justice. But he tells the story of, of the of the. Um, the thief on the cross—he's the guy that, that just defies all the rules. He wasn't a member of a church. He didn't get baptized. He didn't do anything. He didn't—he didn't pray the sinner's prayer. He didn't do anything that we're supposed to do. And could you imagine? He gets to heaven, and the angels at the front desk there. Wait a second. Weren't you just on the cross? Weren't you just a hellraiser? Weren't you a scoundrel? Weren't you the murderer and the robber and the thief and the blasphemer and the guy that was a filthy, filthy wretch? Hold on, I gotta get the the supervisor angel. Stand by. Why are you here? Because the guy in the middle said I could be. Because the guy in the middle said I could be. And I was like, that's me too. Why are you here, Caleb? Because the guy in the middle said I could be. That's everybody in the room. The only reason you're getting in is because Jesus says you can get in. You aren't getting in there. Well, I was a member of First Baptist Church, God. I taught a Sunday school class, God. Till men have faith in Christ, their best services are but glorious sins. Whoo, That's good. That's good. It's only because of the mercy and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ that we get in. And you, being a good person or a nice person, will never get you right with God Almighty. Like I said, verse 11. For your sake, O Lord... Pardon my guilt, for it is great. David is owning the fact that his sins are atrocious. They are brutal. They are vile. They are wicked. And the only reason he's going to be pardoned is because of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you and I. The only reason you and I will be pardoned is because of the goodness of God. And he says, I forgive you. Whew. We will do well to remember that the only reason we can enter into the presence of God is because of God. Amen? Amen? Now remember, I don't know how all I'm doing, we've got that secret photographer, if anybody's asleep. Verse 8, let's keep going. Good and upright is the Lord... Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast, are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. All the paths of the verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Following God's instructions for our lives is so much more fulfilling than anything else that you you and I could even begin to imagine. That you and I could even begin to comprehend. Amen. We we can't even begin to understand this. When God instructs us to do to do certain things, it's for our joy, not for our begrudging submission, but for our joy. Jonathan Edwards once penned, God is the highest good of the reasons, reason of a reasonable creature. The enjoyment of him is our proper and is it is is our proper position. And is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. Man, that's true. God is the highest good of any reasonable creature. The enjoyment of Him is our proper response and is the only happiness with which our souls will be satisfied. Listen, you and I are searching and looking and going down all kinds of different paths trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction but you're not going to find it. God is the upright. Good and upright is the Lord therefore He instructs sinners in the way they should go. God is instructing us in the direction. You, man, I'm looking for joy in my life. I need to know God. Caleb, pastor, what, what do I do? What's the direction of my life? Where should I go? What should I do? Who should I marry? What job should I take? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Good and upright is the Lord. And He will instruct sinners in the way. He'll lead the humble. Now listen. What's He do to the prideful? You guys remember that? He resists the prideful. But he leads the humble. He leads those that are willing to listen. Those that are humble in heart in what is right. And he teaches the humble his ways. Whew. That's the truth. You want, you want to find lasting satisfaction? You want to look for purpose and direction? The Lord will direct those who are humble. Those who are pliable. Those that are willing to Listen. Not those that are arrogant, not me, I don't need to know any. I got this, I'm a smart guy. I barely made it out of the 12th grade, but uh, I'm smart. Are you though? Most human beings will declare their genius, but man, most people, if we're comparing ourselves, now listen, if I'm comparing myself to Alan, I, I know that Alan's way smarter than me. He's yeah, a yes and amen right there. He's amen in me. Right? But if I'm comparing myself to God, right? Whoo! That's you want to look, find lasting satisfaction? You think you're you think you got it all figured out? Listen, none of us have got it figured out. God is the only one that's got it figured out, and the rest of us are just guessing. That's the reason we've got to tie ourselves to the Word of God. Let's look at verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. You want to find, you want to find the path of life? Fear the Lord. His, verse 13, his soul shall abide in well-being. You will be in a position of well-being if you're following and trusting and reverencing the Lord. He who fears the Lord, him the Lord will instruct in the way that he should choose. The idea is that in this introduction here is that genuine discipleship. The idea that's, that's introduced here is genuine actual discipleship. That you follow the Lord Jesus Christ as one of his disciples. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Those who have a respect and a reverence for the Lord are those who are going to gain wisdom. Those are the ones who are going to make it. Those are the ones who are going to make it. Have an inheritance in this thing. Verse 13. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes known to them His covenant. Those who fear the Lord will be friends of God. Those who respect and honor the Lord Jesus Christ are called friends of God. Verse 15, my eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Getting your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ will get you where you need to be. Get yourself out of the sticky situations of sin by keeping your eyes on Christ. The moment you get your eyes off of Christ is the moment you get bogged down in the world in which we live. Happened to Peter. Remember what happened to Peter? He looked at the Lord Jesus Christ as if he was walking on the sea and said, if it's you, Jesus, call me out there. Alright, come on. And he had his eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. But the moment he got his eyes off of Christ and he looked at the waves around him, the dark, the dark water, the dark sea, he got his eyes focused on a situation rather than focused on Christ and what happens to Peter. We can judge him all we want from here. Well, well, I would have kept my eyes on Jesus. Oh, yeah? Are you doing it now? Are you keeping your eye on Christ now? Well, not really, Caleb. You'd be just like Peter, sinking in in the ocean. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Are you lonely and afflicted this morning? Well, I can tell you right now, get your eyes off of the loneliness and the afflictions and get your eyes on Christ and He's going to pluck you out of that net. How can I say that? Because the Word of God says so. Amen? Come on now. Verse 18. Or no, 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my afflictions and my troubles and forgive all my sins. Now listen, there's a connection here between troubles and afflictions and trials and your sin. Listen, 99.9% of your problems are brought on by you. Caleb, you don't know what that person did. Were you in the room? Well, yeah. Did you open your mouth? Probably. Should I have kept my mouth shut? Probably. Your troubles are enlarged and distressed. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Consider how many are my foes to which with, that are violent and hatred and hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. My, my refuge is in Christ, not in my job, not in my bank account, not in my last name, not in the city I live in. My refuge is in Christ and Christ alone. Amen? That's what we're called to have right here. My integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. Listen. I don't know what kind of trouble you're in today. I don't know what kind of trials you're walking through. I don't know what kind of things that are happening in your world, but I can tell you this much, that God has overcome all of those circumstances. He overcame everything on Calvary's cross. When he said to Telestai, when he said, it is finished, it is finished, it's done. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. Christ has already won it. The troubles of your heart, they may be enlarged. I don't want to diminish that. But I'm going to tell you, in the schemes of eternity, in the corridors of eternity, those troubles are just a blip on the radar. Get your eyes off of those things and put your focus on God's face. God loves His children and His love is inexhaustible for His children Get your eyes off of the circumstances and off of the moment and get your eyes on Christ and let Him do the work. Let Him do the heavy lifting. Get your eyes towards the Lord and He will pluck your feet out of the net. That's the truth. The highest good of a reasonable creature is God, to enjoy Him forever. That's the idea. So Caleb, I don't and I I don't know anything about that. I have been going to church for years and I I don't know anything about that. Caleb, how do I get to have a relationship like that? Well, Jesus tells us, Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. So what do you need to do? Go get your go 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 build yourself a doomsday bunker. Get you some MREs. Invest in gold and silver. That's what you need. Oh, is that what? No. that's That must be out of the message. I'm sorry. Let me go back here and actually read the Bible. Hold on. Oh, wait. Repent of your sins and trust the gospel. That's how you get... You want to have, have a... Listen, these are rapid fire prayers that David prays in the midst of trials and temptations and struggles. And he says, God... I can't handle this. I'm afflicted and I'm lonely. Well, get your eyes off of yourself, David. And get your eyes on me, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Get your eyes on me and I'm going to pluck you out of the net. Get your eyes, Peter, get, keep your eyes on me and you can walk on the water. That's the idea. If you're struggling this morning... What, what was that, Thomas, he started? Very first thing I read this morning. A saving faith always grows in a humbled heart from sin, in a weeping eye and a tearful conscience. That's from Thomas Watson. Are you growing in your faith? Do you have a saving faith? A faith that is humbled by your sin, and then an eye—it's bro- a weeping eye that's broken over your sinfulness, that you have a tearful conscience about your sin, that's a good place to be. Does your sin break your heart? Because if your sin doesn't break your heart, there's a, a good chance you don't have saving faith. If your sin does not cause you to grieve, it's a good chance you do not have saving faith. You need to be broken over your sins, and God will heal and reconcile and redeem you. Amen. Anybody in the room? God saved you from your wicked your wicked path. Got one amen out of that one. This whole Listen, I know we're Baptists, but that actually causes us to erupt a little bit. God saved me. God redeemed me. God changed me. He took me from the man who loved and wallowed in my sin took me there and took me out of that pit and caused me to be ever transfixed on his perfect word. Make me to know you, O Lord. Make me to know your ways. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Are you willing to wait for the Lord? Scripture says He's returning for those that are eagerly waiting for Him. Hebrews chapter 9. Are you eagerly awaiting the Lord? Are you longing to see Him? Are you longing to know Him? Eh, Not really, Caleb. I'm just longing to get out of this service. I'm telling you, this is how you find fulfillment. You want fulfillment. Trust in God's finished work on Calvary's cross. Amen?